Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Talking Tourism. I'm Rachel Williams, your host today. Every fortnight, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, which is, of course, the peak body for tourism operators in this beautiful state of Tasmania, is going to be bringing you some conversations with some of the brightest minds in the tourism industry. And we hope to give you some tips and advice on all sorts of different areas to help you improve your tourism business and get ahead in the visitor economy. Now, one thing that every business would hope not to ever have to deal with is a crisis. And I'm joined now by a man who hopefully won't have a crisis over the next 20 to 25 minutes and we can have a good chat. Brad Nolan from Font PR, welcome to you. Rachel, thanks for having me and uh, and thank you to the TICT for starting this podcast. I think it's a wonderful initiative. It is indeed. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is obviously crisis management and a little bit more generally about um, public relations because the two tend to go hand in hand at some stage uh, or another. Now, I suppose from a business perspective uh, to the tourism businesses out there listening, uh, not every one of you will have to deal with a crisis, but if you had to, would you be ready? Would you know what to do? Who would you turn to for help? And most importantly, would you know what not to do? So we're going to get some of that information from Brad. Now we'll start. Brad, you've been involved with Font PR now for a short time because your history is obviously very well documented um, as one of the state's longest serving press secretaries um, and press managers for um, politics. Mm. Give us a little bit of a, a quick background as to why you decided to jump out of the cauldron of politics and parliament and move yes. into the other cauldron of crisis management. The other side. Uh, look, I, I started with uh, Will Hodgman when he was in opposition uh, back in July 2008, which is a very long time ago. I had uh, wonderful black hair back then. It's all almost entirely grey now. Grey new black, don't worry. Yeah, well, it only takes 10 years of politics to do that too. Uh, and um, enjoyed that time immensely. The 2010 campaign probably wasn't as uh, good as we hoped it would have been. The 2014 campaign was um, was very enjoyable and very uh, successful for uh, now Premier and uh, and the Liberal Party more broadly. And of course, the 2018 campaign was um, was uh, personally one of the more enjoyable campaigns that I've worked on. Um, and obviously between 2014 2018 uh working as the as the press secretary to the premier was at the pointy end of a number of the hot topics of the day so um i've i've done my time and i've learnt the hard way i guess um how to manage and not manage um you know really serious issues as they as they come up it's covered so much now isn't it every minute of the day there's something on social media that you have to hopefully be prepared for and not always be reacting to. What did you learn during your times in, in the political halls of parliament? Uh, to respond quickly and to respond as uh, completely and as accurately as possible. Um, we talk about things in news cycles. I'm sure you're familiar with that, Rach. So, But for listeners out there in Tasmania, the news cycle is basically 24 hours. It gets a bit quicker uh, depending on which media market you're in. But... Um, the thing that I learnt very early on was you really needed to deal with the story in the first 24 hours and you needed to deal with it comprehensively. Otherwise, it would linger, 
you know, if you didn't put all the information out there as soon as possible, new facts would come to light every other day and stories would just go on and on and on. Um, and they they were not only damaging, you know, politically and to um, uh, political parties or politicians, but they can actually be damaging to the brand of the state uh, in general. Well, one of those things I want to bring up, because I know that Font PR was also involved in this, and I think um, you were involved from a, a political point of view, was our near catastrophic energy crisis. Mm. Now, obviously, that's not a tourism-related matter as such, but I think it has um, elements that tourism businesses and any business can learn. It was such yep. a long period of, of doubt and uncertainty and That's there's right. obviously scare campaigns which business doesn't have to factor in as much as politicians. Mm, mm. But talk us through how you went through that process of, uh-oh, there is actually, we're in trouble here. How do we make it, A, be clear to the public that mm. the lights aren't going to go out, even when perhaps you thought that they might? Um, and how do you sell that story and manage that? Yeah, so that was obviously an issue that you really couldn't deal with um, within a 24-hour news cycle. That was one that everybody knew was going to go on for a very long time. Um, I still remember a meeting in the executive building, I think it was Christmas Eve, uh, about three or four days after it became clear that the BassLink cable uh, had gone down. Um, and in the lead-up to that time during December, it was becoming clearer that the uh, anticipated spring rains didn't eventuate. Um so in that context, the first thing that uh, we were very keen to to do was to um, try and maintain confidence in the community that the, the government and uh, that government's um, energy businesses had a plan. Um, so one of the first things that we did was we actually wrote down the plan. We surmised the situation um, and then we put in place in written form because, you know, as, as one very smart um, uh, sage once told me, if it's not written down, it's not real. Um, and we came up with a plan as to how this would be addressed and and basically categorised it in different levels depending on how bad the situation got. Um, and as everybody knows, it it got as as bad as it could possibly get without the, the lights going off effectively. Um, and I think the um, the important thing was to show people that, uh, that the situation was being dealt with um, when those diesel generators were being installed at various sites around Tasmania. It was important to um, get the media along to um, show them that the government was responding as, as fully as possible, uh, and that there were contingencies in place that were going to um, that were going to deliver the the best possible outcome. Of course, the one thing that we didn't factor in is that it always rains on Agfest <laughs> uh, week and um, and as soon as we got to Agfest week, the, the rains arrived and the, the situation resolved itself pretty quickly. But, it, you know, it was genuinely touch and go there for a while. So two things I, I gleam out of that, the relationship with the media, love them or hate them, they're there and some people get a, a fairer yeah. run than others perhaps oh, in look- terms of how they're treated by the media. The media is there to do a job and, um, you know, sometimes it makes um, politicians' lives difficult, but, you know, that's that's life. You suck it up and you and you deal with the hand you dealt and you move on. Um, and the way to, that we responded to that was instead of waiting for ad hoc things to occur, we actually planned um, a regular uh, media conference. It was, from memory, I think it was every Monday around lunchtime. 
Um, the other strategy we had is we'd, we'd get the experts in. So um, as we described it at the time, we needed to make sure we had the grey hair in the room. We needed the the, the older, more experienced um, engineers and, and, and people really at the pointy end from hydro and the energy businesses to be there, to talk to the media, to answer the questions um, in detail and in full. Um, and I think also that helped with the community understanding of what was going on as well because um, there might be some cynical people out there that would, would suggest that politicians try and feed the community a load of spin. But when you're actually talking to an engineer or, you know, someone who's actually um, dealing with the, the, the crisis head on, it had a little bit more authenticity. And authenticity also is a, is a really important um, tool when you're dealing with a challenging situation. And that's what I like you just said about if it's not written down, it's it's not real effectively because how many times have we seen um, businesses, individuals come out in the media to try and defend a situation or um, try and fix something that's that's gone wrong? Mm. They haven't got all the facts and figures in front of them and they end up making it a bit of a debacle, don't they? You've got oh, to have those facts in place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if anybody's interested in reading a fantastic account of how to handle um, crisis comms from, um, you know, a really big, broad perspective. There's a bloke called Lanny Davis who was uh, the crisis comms manager at the White House under Bill Clinton. Plenty of crises there for him to deal with. Uh, he wrote a fantastic- They need him back there. <laughs> they probably do, actually. He wrote a fantastic book called Tell It Early, Tell It All and Tell It Yourself. And I think that motto, that was his motto uh, in the Clinton White House, and I think that- motto really should um, be something that a lot of businesses um, take heed of because I think it's a great mantra to have in the back of your mind if you ever unfortunately have to deal with a situation that's not ideal. And that's the thing. The reality is unless you've actually experienced a crisis first time, you just don't realise how hard it is yep. um, that it's so overwhelming and it can just move so quickly, can't it? Yeah, that's right. Especially if you're a smaller business and your day-to-day focus is generally on um you know, providing your your service. So if you're a tourism business, for example, you run um, bike tours, um, you're probably more focused on making sure that that side of the business is going as smoothly as possible. If there is a crisis, you really need someone dedicated to watching your social media channels, um, dealing with the media, dealing with um, the community, your other stakeholders um, as well, uh, to make sure that they're being kept in the loop too and that they're getting um, accurate information as quickly as possible. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, you know, more boutique and, and smaller tourism business in a minute, but I just want to uh, say now when when you mention about if if there's no information, if you don't have information to fill the void, which now more than ever the, the media cycle is 24 yep. hours, um, there's social media, everyone wants to know what's going on. And if you don't fill that void, someone will. Absolutely. And inevitably – if you've got someone filling it with misinformation, that can do a lot more damage. And I just want to mention, and obviously from personal experience, watching the Beaconsfield um, mine tragedy unfold all those years ago, the one person that stepped in to fill that void when early on, and in the mine's defence, they didn't mm. have a lot of information to, to give, but Bill Shorten, That's- who has just gone on to, to attempt to lead Labor mm. to election victory, um, he filled that void when That's, there was no one speaking. Absolutely. That is an excellent example of um, of the kind of um, constant uh, information that you need to be putting out there. Uh, I think, again, he did a, a daily briefing um, in Beaconsfield, uh, sometimes even with the mine operators, I think, towards the end of the, of the crisis there. 
Um, and that gave everybody great comfort. In fact, it, it helped to launch his um, his political career. Did. Um, so to have that face or to have that um, voice that people trusted um, in that instance in the in the uh, form of Bill Shorten was immensely um, useful, I think, for the uh, for the, for the mine operators. Yeah. Um, even though they probably didn't plan it that way, it actually became something that was done. great for them um, because it was a, a voice that people at the time trusted, and um, and it was authoritative. It was authentic. Um, and he had um, a lot more information than sometimes even the mine operators had. And I suppose he had a, a lot of background with his union experience. He knew how to address mm. the media. He knew how to speak. So That's let's right. let's take it back a, a few steps for someone listening to this who goes about their merry way, running a, a hotel or a, a diving expedition or, or some sort of tourism activity, and they're not used to having, unless it's a, a happy news story, they're not used to having to deal with the, you know, the inevitable questions yep. Yep. of the media. So first thing I want to start with, what would be some of the warning signs that mm. a crisis is actually looming? How do people know yeah. to okay. be forewarned that, uh-oh, a crisis is about to occur? So as I said, um, and if there's anybody who wants to go to the academic stuff, this is based on situational crisis communications theory, Um there's essentially three different types of crisis that a business, small business, big business, uh, whatever, would be affected by. Uh, number one is where the business is the victim. So that is the crisis isn't really linked to the business as such, but it affects the business. And that might be uh, a natural disaster, for example, or a malicious rumour online. Um, number two, if there's an accident, uh, and that is, you know, the crisis is linked to the business, but it's unintentional. Um, maybe a restaurant bought a bad batch of eggs, didn't realise they had um, salmonella contamination and some of their diners have been affected by that. And the third one is the uh, intentional one where the business knowingly took a risk and it backfired. Um, and unfortunately, probably DreamWorld is the, is the example of that where, you know, the training practices and the maintenance practices weren't up to, weren't up to scratch and, and tragically um, a number of people lost their life. Um, they're the three broad categories that it fits into, um, and and really the 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 issue of a crisis is sometimes there aren't any warning signs. If it's a natural disaster, or if it's um, you know a dodgy batch of eggs at a restaurant, you're not going to get much warning. Um, however, uh, as is always the case, prevention is better than cure. Um, and there's a couple of questions that I think most businesses could probably ask themselves. What, what are your policies and procedures? You know, so if you're operating um, a bike tour, you know, are your guides um, adequately trained in first aid, those sorts of issues? Um, or do they know where the, the nearest medical help um, is available and how to get there quickly? Um, and what are their communications um, protocols and what's their communications equipment like? Is it going to work when in the, you're in the middle of the bush? Those sorts of things. Um, so your policies and procedures and your staff training are, are really vital from, I would say, any size business. Um, in, maintaining your infrastructure is also important as well. Do, you, do your cars work? Do your bikes work? Those sorts of things. Um, and really, because at the end of the day, if you're a sole trader or a managing business, the buck's going to stop with you. Um, so, so if something does go wrong on that, that one bike tour, you know, yep. bike tourism, cycling business is huge in, in Tasmania yep. in particular at the moment. Um, what would you suggest that that business does if, the you know, unfortunately something wrong happens, which, as you say, it can be mm. – it can happen. 
Um, When do you think they should seek professional help to deal with the situation? Is there a a cutoff limit where, yes, Joe Bloggs can deal with this privately and personally himself Mm. or it gets to a certain point where, uh uh-oh, you actually need someone with a little bit more knowledge and experience. Well, as as a uh, the owner of one of Tasmania's leading crisis communications <laughs> businesses, I would say that you should always involve the professionals, but uh, that might not, might not fit everybody's budget. And a lot of small businesses don't have that budget. No, that's that's true, but um but you know, it, it they would surely have a budget to um engage a consultant for an hour just to uh, come and have a chat to them about And if not they should do. And if not they should they should really be thinking about it. Mm. Um, about what sort of procedures they have in place, how they're going to deal with these sorts of things. Obviously, with the explosion of social media over the past few years, um, if you're not managing your social media profile as well and a crisis um, affects your business, then you could suffer some really significant brand damage. Um, People say so many things on social media that they would never say to your face. It can do damage. And and they may or may not be true. That's the other thing as well. So, um, you know, there's basically, uh, do you want to get into the golden rules of dealing with a crisis? Absolutely. That's where we're headed. Right. Number one, find the facts. Um, So you need to find out the facts as best as you can at that particular point in time um, and probably don't say too much until you understand as much as possible. Um, However, there's a caveat to that. You probably shouldn't wait too long either. Um, I was going to ask, is there an optimum time? Because it's often best to not say anything. Yeah. But then, as I said, that air gets filled by someone saying something. That's right. And they might not have the full facts and they might be sort of um, speculating (laughs) or they might have their own angle to push. Uh, So you really need to get into the space, into the media space and onto social media uh, as quickly as possible once you've assessed that there's a real threat um, to your business. Yeah. and again, uh, tell it all, tell it early, tell it yourself. Um, and if it's bad news, really, it's it's on you as a, a, a business operator to tell it yourself. I, I think that's the the golden rule, really, is to make sure that you're the one explaining what's happened in your business. Um, and would it be fair to say more often than not, even though you would be hesitant to do that if, it is, if you are the bearer of bad news and it affects your business? Yeah, at the end of the day, most people genuinely have empathy. Yeah. If yep. they can see that you are out there actually, you're taking it, you're taking one for the team, Absolutely. you're putting your hand up, you're admitting that it was I've, your fault. I've seen politicians go out and try and deliver bad news and they get um, they get belted mercilessly by the media and, and the community because that's the way politicians can be viewed. But I think when it's a business person just trying to do their best and something's gone wrong, um, they tend to get a a, a a better deal or, you know, the, the media will be more understanding because they want to actually understand themselves exactly what's happened. So um, in that instance you would recommend that they be the face of it, not an, an expert that you've brought in to yeah, be if, the media yeah, expert? Yeah, I think so because um, if you bring in somebody else to do your communication for you, it tends to look less authentic. It's like it looks like you might be trying to hide something. So help behind the scenes but not in front of the camera. Exactly, yes. Um, and there are uh, lots of people out there in the Tasmania market that can help you draft um, statements and can, can give you some some really good communications advice in that regard. I would recommend Font PR, obviously. Oh, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have um, to. <laughs> but, but the other point on that, um, don't speculate, don't get rhetorical, don't add fuel to the fire, uh, don't answer hypothetical questions, 
stick to the facts, always stick to the facts. Is that something we see in politics, the hypothetical, you know, the polling question, what would you do if uh, well, such and such happened or what would you do, who would you vote for if, mm, you know, in the, in that's right. the Labor, you know, leadership right. at the moment? Why is it dangerous to answer hypotheticals? Uh, because it takes the story in a different direction which might not have any um, basis in fact. It might be something that's completely fanciful that that may never um, come to pass. So you're better off just sticking with the facts and working your way through the issues from there. And how important is it to be on message? We often laugh at the, you know, slogans of the, mm. the politicians, but inevitably they tend to win them elections when they're on message. They have a, a few key things that they need to say. Is that, that Can that be related to a crisis management for a business as well? Yeah, because effectively you're trying to communicate through the media um, effectively what has happened in your business. So you don't want to be distracted too much into other areas. You want to stick to the facts, stick to the message that you're trying to present because that's that's the only way, it's through that repetition, that's the only way that you're going to get the message through to the community because you need to repeat the message because not everybody uh, will be watching the TV news that night. Um, hopefully they'll be watching Southern Cross. But they may not be. They Seven might, Tasmania. Uh, oh, sorry, I, 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 it'll take me about ten years it's to get used right. to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, if if you're repeating the message, it's going to get through to them either on social media, on the telly, through the radio, through the newspaper, whatever uh, news source uh, the community uh, member uses to get their their news from. And do you have different tips for? Obviously, the TV needs a you know, 10 to 15 seconds sound bite, as we we call it in the yep. industry. Radio's similar, but newspapers obviously different. And then social media is mm. different again. How do businesses work out what to say to who and how to deliver that sure. information? It's probably best to, and it depends on the situation, but in most situations it's going to be best to provide um, social media and the print media with a written statement. So that way you can be uh, very careful with the words that you choose so that you can make sure they're as accurate as possible. Uh, with radio and TV, they obviously need uh, a voice. They need a, a, a talking head, as it's sometimes referred to. Um, but again, you need to be very clear on what the message is that you're trying to communicate and how you're going to communicate that and how you're going to deal with a lot of questions coming from a lot of different angles and some of which you may not even be anticipating. But, you know, Again, authenticity is the key and, and honesty and, and openness is, is really the, the key to, um, to dealing with a lot of these issues. So as we said, not all businesses will have to deal with crisis management. So what, from a public relations perspective, can you give us some, some tips perhaps um, about how um, we can be proactive in terms of our public relations and, and getting the message out regardless of whether it's a crisis well, or not? I think it's probably good business to to build your brand regardless and not necessarily build your brand because you're anticipating you may have a crisis in the future, but building a really solid brand is a great platform to deal with any issue. Um, and so you see businesses like, for example, a bloke like Rob Pennycott. I was about to say yeah. him. The media um, turns to him because they know he can be trusted. Absolutely. Uh, they, they know they can trust him. They know he's authentic. They know uh, he's telling the truth. They know he has a lot of experience in what he's talking about. Um, and he's a great bloke, you know, and people enjoy talking to Rob Pennicott. He so, would have been a small business operator starting out at some stage. Absolutely. How did he build up his profile? Uh, look, he, um, with a lot of blood, sweat and tears, I think. I've, I think we've probably all heard the stories of him, you know, chasing tourists around 
asking them if they wanted to go out and jump In on his bike. In terms of profile, though, for the media? For the media, um, by offering good product, by doing something that's a little bit different, by engaging with the media proactively. Um, you know, Rob Pennicott um, is a very uh, successful businessman because he's he's good at it and he works hard. The, as um, Peter Gutman once told me, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Um, and I think that's that's the message that that someone like Rob's probably showing to the rest of the uh, to the industry. Uh, but he's also pretty savvy in the way he does his media. For example, I think um, maybe last week, um, so what's that, second week of May, if, depending on when this is broadcast, um, he built a new boat and so he held a media event to launch it. So, um, you know, it was just a, a, a real simple milestone in terms of his business because he's bringing new boats on all the time. But he used that as a as a nice sort of punctuation point to get in front of the media to actually say, hey, I'm Rob Pennicott, this is what I do, I employ Tasmanians, I showcase Tasmanians to the world, isn't it great? And here's a fantastic new boat that I have built. So for some of those smaller businesses launching their first whiskey or launching their first tour of a, a walking track or whatever, how do they try to, to get in? Well, I think if you're a small business, you probably need to think about what makes you unique. What's what's the story that you're trying to tell um, the community and the and the visitors that come to Tasmania that nobody else is doing? Um, so the case of Rob Pennicott's a good one. There's, at that time when he started, there was there weren't really that many charter boat operators going around. There were probably a few, but but he actually grabbed it with both hands and and really highlighted the unique um, aspect of the product uh, that he was um, providing. The story, it's really important from a positive perspective but also dealing with the negatives as well. It's keeping that story in the direction yeah, you need it to that's be. that's right. So, so Rob over the years has just built on his brand and built on his brand by doing lots of little things. Um, he's built up a lot of goodwill in the community. I think he's invested in infrastructure um, out of his own pocket on Bruni that the com- whole community can benefit from. He's done things like that. I, I, I think um, he... Uh, might even donate a certain percentage of his profits into um, into community uh, events and community grants and things like that. So he's, he's worked really hard to build up a lot of goodwill. Um, he has really interesting products that he offers, you know, the seafood seduction one's a, a great one that gets in the media um, quite a lot because it is something that's, that's pretty unique and truly Tasmanian. Okay. So you're going to be speaking at the um, the tourism conference and your title of your speech is what to do when the proverbial hits the fan is how yep. I'll say it because I'm a lady and I can't say the S Absolutely. Sorry, I shouldn't have sworn in my presentation. That's, <laughs> that's uh, but, well, is that good or bad comms? I think it, I at least know. it's authentic and if it's, it's honest. it's authentic, it's okay. Yeah. So just wrapping up then, um, top three or four tips for for. for young or not young, sorry, yep. tourism businesses, whether they be big or small, but I Presumable okay. for the small ones. Well, what can they do? Just some things to think about, really. Um, what are your vulnerable bili- vulnerabilities? Vulner- yeah, that one. <laughs> That's um, it. Have you trained your staff to identify risks? Um, how? Probably even just thinking. You know, what what would you do if the if the worst case scenario actually happened? And um, some people probably don't even think about that. Yeah, that's they? right. And obviously, it's not a not a pleasant thing to think about. But um, but. In case it does happen, you probably do need to have a plan. Do you have a crisis management plan? Have you talked to a, a crisis management expert in how to de- develop a plan like that? Who's going to be your spokesperson? If you're the business owner and maybe you're not feeling so confident in front of a camera, is there another employee? Do you have a, a you know a, a tour manager or something like that that might be a little bit better um, uh, at at dealing with the media? 
Um, have you identified your spokesperson? Have they had proper media training? Um, who's going to liaise with the media on an ongoing basis? How are you going to talk to your employees, your customers, the community? Um, what are you going to do with your social media if something went wrong? Um, in fact, there's an example uh, a few days ago of a particular business in Tasmania that I won't name, but um, got into a heated online fight with uh, some of their customers. Um, never going to end well. Never going to end well. Uh, so how are you using social media and, and, and what are the good ways to do it and the wrong ways to do it? Um, and, yeah, just make sure you've uh, you've got somebody on hand. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, 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 a private sector consultant, but somebody, a wise head who you – able to bounce ideas off and get a good steer as to how you might want to uh, handle a a situation if it arises. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Brad. Hopefully uh, people listening have have got some some good tips from you about how to handle a crisis if they're ever in the unfortunate situation where they need to. Uh, Brad Nowlin from Font PR, thank you. Uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you have got some value out of our conversation. Uh, remember to deal with the crisis in a, in a timely manner, be authentic and honest. I think they're the, the key tips from today, Brad. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. My absolute pleasure. Well, I hope you have all enjoyed today's show. Tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen and uh, we will see you in a fortnight. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.